Are you an athlete who would like to maximize your performance to succeed at the top level? Head on over to my website at jacobandre.com and book a free 15-minute discovery call to discover if and how I can help you. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 69. I'm your host, Jacob Andre, and today I'm talking to Anthony Vallejo. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So one of the first things I like to ask is, what did we interrupt in your day today? Um, well, look, I was actually helping out the Michael Long Cup today, um, early start. I think I got there about 7.30, so it's been good to get out um, to do this while it's nice and hot out there at about 1 o'clock, so it's been a good little break. So obviously you've got a very long, we'll get into this, um, history in sport, having played yourself and now coaching, uh, working with different uh, young people as well as the current coach of the St Mary's Football Club here in Darwin. Um, do you have a vested interest in what's happening down there at the Michael Long Cup? Oh, look, I, yes, I do. Like, I'm, 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 I'm a local bloke from Darwin that's, you know, come through the local ranks um, at St Mary's. You know, I, I play for the, the you know, Milner Primary School. I played for St Paul's Primary back in the day, you know, when we were playing at Aller Oval. Um, I just want to give things back. I just think kids up here um, miss out on a lot um, in terms of sport, um, you know, whether that be good coaching, good facilities, um, you know, things like that. So I was lucky enough, you know, to spend a little bit of time in a state when I was growing up, um, getting some quality coaching in me. Um, I've got two kids that have come through the programs, um, you know, both in soccer, athletics, football and basketball. Um, and, you know, like, I want to give something back. So that's why I'm down there. I'm not looking at recruiting kids for Saints or anything like that. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of if they can take something out of what I'm offering. You know, it may only be one or two little things. I just think it's, yeah, something more blokes should do up here, um, give something back. Yeah, I like it. You mentioned that you grew up in Darwin. Let's go right back to the early days. Tell me, yep. where did it all begin? And tell me the Anthony Vallejo story. Yeah, um, I don't think it's common knowledge, but I, I was born and grew up in a place called Daly River, you know, probably three hours outside of Darwin. Um, I'm the eldest True, son. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I was born and raised, you know. Like, I unfortunately don't get back there as much as I used to, um, just with work and kids and things like that. But that's where I spent, oh, from, like I said, when I was born to early, early um, high school days when my parents sent me into St John's. Um, just to, you know, to get a better education. So there was only a primary school out of Dali at that stage. Um, so both my parents, you know, were immigrants to Australia. You know, my dad came across as a chaperone from Spain. Um, he had two sisters that were nuns, um, and they were posted um, to an Aboriginal community called in Kulumbaroo in the top of WA. So he went out there when he came across as he did two years of military service and then moved out there just to chaperone his two sisters because um, they came by boat. Um, and he wanted to, you know, he's, my grandparents were farmers and he wanted something different. Um, so he was one of 12. So he, he did that. He came across to Australia back then. Uh, Mum's East Timorese. Um, so, you know, 75 and Indonesians invaded East Timor. Um, yeah, she unfortunately had to leave. Um, and her and my cousins, I've got, you know, she's one of 11. So they, they all had to flee on a boat, um, came to Australia and they had a processing unit for, you know, Timorese people out of Daly, and that's where she was. Um, my dad moved from Kulumbaroo to Daly. He was a stockman. He, he sort of became a stockman and moved out to Daly River, and that's where they met. And I was born in 78, so, yeah, out at Daly River. Um, and, you know, sport's a big part of schooling in, in Darwin, in, in the Territory, and especially, you know, in an Aboriginal mission. Um, so, yeah, we played footy, we played soccer, we played everything, anything we could get our hands on. 
Um, and yeah, I reckon when I was in year seven, my dad wanted me to, you know, something else in life, I suppose, and he shipped me off to St. Paul's Primary. I did a year there, two years there, and then went to St. John's. Um, and while I was at St. John's, um, we met um, Helen Smith, who was the secretary of the St. Mary's Football Club, and she got me over to St. Mary's and it sort of went from there. That's crazy. So when you say your dad shipped you off to St. Paul's, were you with the family when you went to that primary school? No, nah, so yeah. I, my brother Iggy's two years younger and then my sister's, you know, two years younger than Iggy. So I moved in with my auntie and uncle um, in Aurelia Street, or sorry, Phoenix Street in Nycliffe. Um, they owned a Chinese takeaway at, um, in Nycliffe. So I, I lived there for a couple of years, um, went to St. Paul's and then I reckon three years later, mum and dad, yeah, it was Iggy's turn to go to high school. They decided to move the whole family up and, you know, that was a pretty big shock because that's all they knew was, was Daly River. Um, and, you know, we obviously made lifelong friends um, in Daly and, you know, we still keep in touch with lots of them, you know, visit mum all the time. Um, but, yeah, so it was just something for us kids, you know, mum and dad are really big on the next generation achieving more than the, the previous one. So they wanted, you know, something out of their lives. You know, both of them came to Australia with pretty much the clothes on their back um, and, you know, they wanted something for us. So, yeah, we came to Darwin and, yeah, like they, it was, it was, you know, probably the best move they ever did. Are you an Aussie rules footballer who would like to maximise your performance to succeed at the top level? My Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program is a 12-phase program that has been curated from my 15-plus years working as a strength and conditioning coach with local footballers right through to AFLW players at Adelaide and Richmond. To get instant access to my Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program, simply head on over to jacobandre.com forward slash Australian dash rules dash football. Yeah. So... What, I know there's a lot of successful footballers that have come out of St. Paul's. What was it like going to St. Paul's with uh, what I imagine would have been a lot of sporty kids? Oh, it, it was it was unreal. So, yeah, like, unfortunately, we were the only ones that played for Saints. You know, there was a strong connection. We met the, the Motlop family there, you know, and they're really good family friends of ours. Um, you know, there's, there's heaps of them. Um, I was the same age as, as Shannon Motlop, so we, we're, we're good mates. And, yeah, we were at high school – oh, sorry, primary school and then high school at St. John's. Iggy, my brother, you know, was the same year as Daniel, so they're, they're pretty tight. Um, a lot of them, you know, John Bonson, you know, all these sort of types. Robbie and Matt from, from um, Buffalo's days. So there was heaps of footy players. Our, our footy team was really, really good. And, um, you know, we, we had a strong relationship with Milner down the road. Um, you know, some years they couldn't field a team and some years we couldn't field a team, so we always combined. That's where I met Brenton Toy. Um, yeah, he was playing at, at Milner. Um, and, you know, we've been lifelong friends ever since, you know. So, yeah, it, it really sport has, has driven us. Um, and, you know, I know Iggy tells a story, you know, through the same race footy club. That's where he met his wife, Deborah. You know, we've, we've you know, we owe everything up to, you know, to sport. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. So what was it like then? So that was St. Paul's. What was it like at St. John's? Because I can imagine that St. John's was, you know, it would have been extremely sporty. What was life like yeah. there going into well, school? Yeah, they- yeah, they had a, a boarding house back then, which was which was thriving. You know, every, you know, there's that's talk about footy production lines. Back in the day, St John's was the, the, the place to be. Um, you know, all the longs, you know, and that's where we sort of when we went there, we, we were introduced to the St Mary's Footy Club because everyone played for Saints that went to St John's. You know, all the Riolis. Um, you know, like it was fantastic, and it was a real. You know, every Friday we'd play a footy game, and it was just unbelievable how good the our side was. Um, you know, things have changed a little bit. I know, you know, school footy up here is, you know, non-existent at the moment. It's good to see that it's, it's actually coming back, um, you know, and, and pride in your schools. You know, like I said, I've got two kids that 
go to boarding school in Melbourne and school sport is, is huge in Melbourne. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's pretty much a, a business. Um, you know, we went and watched my son play. He was going to Xavier and they played Halbury and just the, the bus after bus, like massive buses just coming in, dropping kids off. I, I just had never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was – St. John's was, was an experience, you know. It, it was a great time there, yeah. I definitely want to talk more about your kids and their school and sporting experience, but let's stick with you for now. So then what did yep. you do after school? What was the next step when you left school? Yeah, I was lucky enough, um, you know, I, was, I spoke to a few AFL clubs. Unfortunately, you know, I was told I was going to get drafted. I was one of those kids that didn't get drafted on draft night. Um, you know, and I was told to, to move in a state to, to see how I went. Um, so I moved to Adelaide. Um, there was a few St. Mary's boys in those days that went down there. So I, I had an under-18s coach called Marty Christensen who was playing at Woodville Restaurants. Um, it was a tough choice. I, I was good mates with Peter Burgoyne and he was playing at Port Adelaide. Um, so it was a tough choice between the two. So I ended up going to Woodville. Um, spent three seasons down there. Um, it was a bit of a culture shock, cold weather, big city. You know, like I'd never moved out of home before, uh, you know, away from my parents for a while. So, you know, having to cook for yourself, all this sort of stuff was a, a bit of a shock. Um, lasted three years and then um, the, the call of, you know, St. Mary's got me back. You know, I got the, the dream of getting drafted was over, I thought, you know, even though I think I was 21. Um, yeah, so we, I moved back home, yeah. So what was that like? What was that um, disappointment like, I suppose? Because uh, I know I've met a couple of boys who have been expecting to get drafted and then not, and they go in different directions. What was that like for you? Oh, it was a massive disappointment. Yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a shock, to be honest. Um, like, yeah, I reckon my first, you know, I, I played in an under-18s grand final, um, played senior footy. My first, I think it was 23 games at senior footy, we didn't lose a game. Um, so you're on this high, you know, I, I won a senior flag. Um, you know, the, it's funny, it's a funny story. My boss now, Jared Neesham, actually was coach of Fremantle Dockers. He actually came to my house um, with the recruiting manager and um, he had a massive day. Like he was, he, him and my dad had a few beers and they were you know, pretty much blind telling me that he was going to draft me in a couple <laughs> of weeks on. Um, and it, it didn't eventuate. So it, it's a massive shot, you know, and it, I, I bring it up with him all the time. He, he actually, he, he's my boss now. So, he, you know, he, he, he it's, it's sort of a good thing, uh, but at least he remembered me. Um, yeah, so it was a massive shock. And then moving away, you know, it's, it's yeah, you, you're trying your hardest, but it's you go from this big fish in a little pond to this massive, you know, Adelaide. It's, it's not the biggest city, but it's, it's massive um, where, you know, in Darwin, you know, there's probably 15 to 20 blokes that go to training. So it's very unlikely you're going to miss out where when I moved to Adelaide, there was, I reckon, our under – it was under 19s back, or 17s back then. Um, you had about 80 blokes, and there were cutting blokes every two weeks. So the anxiety levels would go up every Friday when you know the coach would come and give you know five blokes a tap on the shoulder. Um, so it actually teaches you a lot of things, yeah. Which you know, like good lessons still today, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your time when you then came back to Darwin playing with St Mary's. How many games you played? Who have you um, played under? What was it yeah. like playing at St Mary's? Yeah, like I said, it was, you know, growing up in Daly River, like our, my, my parents worked for the, the Catholic um, church up here. Um, so Saints was the only team we actually went for. Um, we knew all the Saints players. We'd go to Gardens Oval and watch them play, you know, you know, all the Longs, all the Riolis, all the Duns, they were, they were the, the best team going around. So um, when it was our turn to play for them, it was, you know, like 
I didn't have a, a brother or a dad that actually played for Saints. So we sort of went in there, you know, no one knew who we were with these, you know, like these kids that were from Daly River that, you know, aren't, you know, aren't Indigenous, but they were from Daly. They're living in, in town now and they want to have a kick. Um, you know, dad would always be there, like picking us up, dropping us off, doing the waters and stuff. And it was, yeah, there was, it was interesting. Like I said, we didn't have a, you know, any real, you know, connection to the club apart from we wanted to get in there and have a crack. You know, we were, you know, we pride ourselves on being hardworking. Dad would, like I said, be there from back in those days. You'd, you'd, under 14s would start at nine and the seniors would be at four. He'd be there all day running water for whatever grade one didn't run water for. Um, and that's what, you know, I thought, I think we sort of got that name. You know, they're Dom's kids. Dom was there all the time, all day. That was my dad. Um, it was my first Premier League coach was John Taylor. Um, you know, he's probably the greatest coach going around. Um, I remember the day he told us we were playing seniors. So me and Brenton Toy, you know, we, we grew up, you know, from primary school and then we, we made our debuts together um, along with Peter Burgoyne all in the same year. Um, he sort of said, you've got three games. I don't care if you don't get a kick in any of them, but you've got three games to show us what you've got. So that was our, our introduction under John. The year after, um, John retired and um, Jamie Thomas uh, took over as a coach. Um, and I played every game that year. We won a flag. Um, like I said, we, I didn't lose a game. I think it was a year and a season and a half. And we lost to Waratahs um, in, a, in a, I think, just before the finals. And, you know, we had blokes like Mick Athanasia and Noel Long, and they called an urgent meeting. And I was like, we've lost one game. Like, I just didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> we've lost one game in almost two years. And I've called, I remember talking to Brenton about it because I think I picked him up. We're in the car. And I was like, what are they going to be talking about? I don't understand. Like, and, it was literally, we're at Mick's house, it all started off fun and jokes and then I'd, like, he literally got us in a circle and he and Noel went around the group and just, this is how you're going, mate. This, and they would just tell you the truth. It was like the harshest review that you'd ever, and I was, I remember going home going, holy shit, like, imagine if we lose a couple <laughs> of games, what's going to happen? Um, and we went through and won the season that year. Um, but they were the, like, they were the mm. benchmark, so the standards you know, and every generation is the same, I suppose. And I, I do it to the kids now. Like, you know, back in my day, the ball never touched the ground, but it, it literally didn't. Like, we'd sit on the hill at Mara number one there and watch the A-grade play. My dad used to make us sit there and watch him train. And the ball would never touch the ground. Like, it would just fling from one end to the other. Just the pride they had and the respect for each other. And, you know, not muck up kicks. And, you know, like, it was ridiculous. Um and that's one thing, you know, that I'm trying to instill into boys now. Like, yeah, like it's, but it's hard. It's it's really hard when you're coaching kids these days, and it, it's it's a challenge I have. Yeah. Yeah. What I really liked from what you just said was that you had said that your dad or your parents wanted, you know, each generation to have more opportunities and be better than the next. And you know, you come in where you don't have a name like Long or Rioli or Dunn yeah. into the St Mary's family and club, and then you guys. Like Vallejo is just a name that's so synonymous now with the St Mary's Football Club. So you have done essentially what you, your parents wanted, and that is, and and that's just in one small area of your life, which is football. Yeah. You know, you've now, you know, your kids can then go through and go, oh yeah, that's our Iggy and, and Chopper's um, kids. You know, like you now have that name firmly tied to the St Mary's Football Club. How does that make you feel? Oh, look, it's it's something we look back on now that both me and Iggy aren't playing. You know, like. Saints is obviously you know, a great club. They've got a, a great hall and they've, you know, they've got those honour boards. And that's something every, no matter, you know, I'm there every Thursday doing the meat tray. Every time I go back, you just get drawn looking at the board of, you know, the years, the premiership, two won best and fairest that year, you know, the leading goal kicker. And they've got, they've actually updated it with, you know, games played and coached and stuff. So it's, 
it's something that you look back on now that you're finished and like I've been in that hall, you know, a million times and I just you just are drawn to it. So it's it's something, you know, that we take great pride in. Like, yeah, like I said previously, I didn't have a dad or an uncle, you know, or you know, anyone that played there previous to us and it's something I, I drill in. You know, we, we, we have a meeting every year with our players and it's if you're willing to do the hard work at this footy club, we will look after you. You know, there were so many other people that came in. You know, the Smiths, you know, Helen and, uh, you know, she's a fantastic lady. Vic Ludwig. Um, there's numerous people, you know, that have walked into that footy club and given them everything for, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, yeah, it's, it's what we stand for. Yeah. Who's better, you or Iggy? Oh, look, yeah, <laughs> I'll say Iggy. Um, yeah, I think we played in different positions. Um when I first started, like I, I was a winger, half forward flanker. I think they were looking at me to replace Noel Long on a wing, because um, you know he was tinkering towards the end. And then I went away. That's to tough, you know. That people say Noel was the best Long. That's a oh, pretty tough. No, oh, he was, and he is. He's, he's a superstar. Noel. He, he's got an unbelievable story, and he's another one I, I like getting in to speak to the kids. Like he's a, I want to say, a ten-time premiership player, numerous um, Nichols medals. He's won a best on ground in a grand final. And it took him three or four years to crack into the senior side. You know, that's, he, he played over 100 games of B-grade footy back in those days, did one now, um, where you get kids straight out of under-18s who think they should be playing A-grade. Um, someone like Noel Long, exactly, you know, he spent three, four years playing the good old-fashioned B-grade footy to learn his craft. Um, and I use him as an example all the time. So, you know, but when I was coming through, I, I played, yeah, full-back, centre-half-back, ruck. You know, there weren't too many tall kids, as you know, in Darwin sport. So you, you sort of played along the spine. Um, and then playing seniors, I had a bit of pace when I was younger. They were like, you're going to play on the wing. You know, you're going to take Noel's spot. And I was like, geez. Um, so Tommy Wietra, who was the other winger at the time, was, was my idol. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be swapping on the wing with Tommy. Um, but when I came back from Adelaide, like it's, you know, they get you in the gym pretty early in Adelaide. And, and I, I, I loved it. I actually really enjoyed going to the gym. And, and it's something, yeah, we don't do too much of here and down with our kids. But I, I loved it. Um, so when I came back, I had a little bit more size about me. And Mick Athanasia was towards the end. Um, and they were like, well, you're going to have to play centre-half back. And, and that's where I played, you know. And Iggy was the, the opposite, I reckon. He started as a back flanker. Um, again, blessed with, you know, speed, courage, everything. Um, um, and ended up playing in the four line towards the end of his career, you know, and I think he's played three, he'll tell you, 340, 360 games, which is unbelievable. You know, that's 20 years of footy at top level. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, a great effort. So what was it like in those early years? I think you said, was it one year under John Taylor? Yep, one year under John. Or was there a few years? Uh, yeah. Well, well I'm really intrigued yeah, so I played – He, John was the one that gave him my first crack at it. So we had three three games when I think me, Brenton and Peter Bergen were our first year of under-18s. Um, the year after, we played the full season. Uh, Peter got drafted to Port Power, um, so it was me and Brenton. We played the full season um, of senior footy under John. The year after, won a flag. Um, we beat Waratahs in a grand final. Um, I went off to Adelaide to play a bit of footy. I moved back when um, Jamie Thomas was our coach. Um, won a flag with Jamie, um, and he was a fantastic coach. He was a, a legend of the SANFL for, um, who was it, for Central Districts out at uh, Elizabeth. Um, and then, you know, we, we had a bit of a, a rough patch at Saints. I think a lot of our absolute superstars, you know, team of the century sort of players in the NTFL retired in Noel, Dennis Dunn, uh, Mick Athanasia, Tommy Wietra, um, you know, the Christensen brothers, 
you know, the Perry brothers all started to retire and, you know, get to the end. Brian Stanislaus was a superstar. Um, and we just didn't have that crop of juniors coming through to take their spots. Um, and we struggled, mate. I remember, I remember playing in a, a year where we didn't make the finals for the first time in like 40 years. Um, and it was, you know, we, we couldn't get people that wanted to play in their seniors. I remember the coach at the time trying to ask under 18 kids to step up and they didn't want to play. You know, so we, we were pretty bad. Like, we were terrible. Um, didn't make finals. I, I don't think we could find a coach at the time. Um, and then we are lucky enough, I think, the year after, Damien Hale put his hand up. I think he was living down south and um, came back to the club. Um, and we won three grand finals in a row after that. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And I think when Damien was there, he started, you know, we again, I think things happened in cycles up here. There was some good kids coming through and, you know, it's sort of, and we were lucky enough, to be honest, to, to score some really good recruits at that time. You know, Peter McFarland's a once-in-a-generation sort of player. You know, he's a centre-half forward that can, you know, take screamers and play in the ruck. Carl Lode was another one that moved up the same time. Um, yeah, so we had a few recruits that, you know, like, there was no such thing as flyings back then. You moved up, you know, they moved up, loved the, the culture we had at the club. Um, you know, loved the lifestyle, the territory, and, you know, stayed for 10, 15 years. You know, they're still living here now. Um, and it sort of set the scene, I think. And, you know, we've sort of been on the cusp of, you know, playing in flags, winning premierships, you know, over the last 15 years. What was it like in the later part of your career as you, you know, you become one of those older statesmen um, at the club compared to when you were younger? Oh, look, I found it hard, to be honest with you. Um, my body just fell to pieces. Like, yeah, I had, I think, two operations on my ankle, one on my knee, and I needed one in my, my groin, um, a tendon. But... Um, I, I I wanted to my footy players want to go out your own way. You know, you you have this fairy tale of playing in a flag and walking off carrying the, the, you know, the premiership cup and in your last season sort of stuff. Fortunately, that didn't happen. Um, you know, I think I ended up with two forty odd games. Um, I tried my hardest to get to two fifty, but um, I think the body. Well, I know the body didn't let me. And um, you know, we're we're sort of well, I am and I'm a brother is when we get it from our parents. We're sort of pr- pride plays a big part in our lives. Um, and I, I, I call it cheating. If I couldn't train on a Tuesday and a Thursday and train my hardest, I didn't think I should be picked to play on a Saturday. And Tuesdays, but I, I could barely move on a Tuesday. Um, you know, towards the end of my career, and it was pretty much try your hardest on a Thursday, hope the coach picks you. Um, There's things called anti inflam started coming into the game towards the end of my career, and I was relying on too many of them to get me through a, a Tuesday night. Um, yeah, so it, it ended, you know, I, I, I wanted to play a few more years, but the body didn't let me. I was lucky enough to play the last two footy seasons with the TV Bombers. Um, and that, that was, you know, an experience I really enjoyed. And I look back on, you know, on, on fun times, you know, my last two seasons were with Tiwi. Um, but yeah, the, the body ended it for me. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask about that. What was, what was the reason behind going over to Tiwi? Yeah, well... I pretty much got the marching orders from Saints. I, I'd missed out. Um, I played in five flags. I lost three grand finals in my last couple of years at Saints. Um, I had a knee operation. I tried my heart. I had my meniscus, lateral meniscus, and some my knee cleaned out, I reckon, a month before the finals. It just wasn't going too well. I, I got that done on a Monday, and I played the following Saturday. Um, and it was probably the worst decision of my life. Just the bleeding, it was swelling up. But I knew we had a really good side and I just didn't want to miss out. Um, it just didn't come good. So I, I, 
I was a leading goal kicker that year, and I didn't get picked in the in the in the premiership in the grand final team. And they they beat I want to say Waratahs, and they absolutely smashed them. Um, and I was dirty, absolutely dirty on that. Um, the year after, I, I went. You, know, you do preseason, you, you do everything you have to do, and I. The we'd gone straight through to the grand final. I was the leading goal kicker for Saints again, and I did a quad. You wouldn't believe this on a Saturday morning training session the week before the granny um, at Pints Oval, and I just remember sitting in the car, my old Ute, uh, pretty much in tears, punching the the crap out of the steering wheel because I couldn't believe I, I did my quad on the last. It was a, we were doing goal kicking, like three star goal kicking in the last drill, and I, and I did a quad. So I missed out on another flag there, and I, I yeah, just needed to clean my head. So I pretty much retired, and um, a mentor of mine called Peter Atkinson, who had a lot to do with NC footy back in the day, um, and he was my player manager when I was you know, looking at playing AFL, um, sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, you know, Tiwi are not struggling, but they need some big bodies. Would you be keen on, you know, having a run with us and maybe doing some coaching? And I, I jumped at the chance, and... You know, like they were they were great times. You know, like playing with Ross Dungatalum, who I had a bit to do with at Saints. Austin Wanamiri, you know, had had a lot to do with at Saints. And yeah, it, it was fantastic. You know, like it was it was a really good time. I went there with no sort of pressure on me. I could just go and play wherever I wanted to play. Um, towards the end of my career, they'd moved me from the like centre half back um, to full forward, centre half forward at Saints. Um, and it's hard work playing in those positions. Um, when I went back to when I went to Tiwi, they they moved me back into the back line, and I loved it. It was really good. I actually had a couple of games in the ruck, um, but it was there. There was no pressure. It was more about fun. They had a good bunch of young kids, and I was just sort of there to protect them, sort of stuff on the footy field, which which I enjoyed. It was good. Yep. You mentioned that you uh, not getting picked for that grand final side. So correct me if I'm wrong. Were you coaching when Ryan Smith? wasn't selected for a grand final recently. Um, is that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. So um there, look, I'm like I'm, I'm not gonna rub anything in, but I just no, wanna no. um I, I wanna ask because I want to know what was it like to to move in from like a player and having that experience yourself to then as a coach where you've got to do that to someone else who's played so many games himself, you know, who's also at the end of his career. So you know how that yeah. feels. Oh yeah, look I do. I'm, one thing with us is, like, like I said, we're we're proud people. Like we're, it's all about the club with us. You know, if I'm not doing a good job, I'll step down. Like I've, there's no issue. I'll never have, you know, a bad thing to say about Saints sort of stuff. But it, it was hard. You know, me and Ryan go way back. You know, like I was, I think I was captain when he first came down as this, you know, really athletic young ruckman that you know was a basketballer. And he, you know, Aiden Hill brought him down as a, as a mate. You know, and. He's been fantastic for the Saints Woody Club. You know, like he's a premiership ruckman. He's a Thunder premiership ruckman. He's a great supporter of the club. Any sort of working bee, um, you know, if we need volunteers, he's the first one to put his hand up. He sponsors the club, employs, you know, boys that come up here. So Ryan does a fantastic job for the footy club. Um, that was the hard thing, having that conversation with him. Um, to go with that story, like he, he'd broken, like, a couple of ribs. I think he heard his spleen. I didn't see him for two weeks on the track, so I was like, yeah, okay, he's not going to play. Um, and then the Thursday of the grand final, he, he comes down at the end of training um, and says, I'm ready for my fitness test. Um, and I was like, Ryan, everyone knows you've got cracked ribs. Like, the worst thing I want is for you to go out there. And like, you know, you can't take injured players in any games, let alone a grand final. 
Um, and he goes, no, no, I'll, I'll tape my elbow so it looks like my elbow's injured so they'll attack that and not my ribs. And I was like, Ryan, that's <laughs> not going to work, mate. And look, there, there were some tough times after that. Like, I don't think we really spoke for maybe, you know, two or three months, me and Ryan. Um, he's come on as the women's Premier League coach now. Um, and, yeah, I've got a great relationship with Ryan and, like, he's the ultimate, yeah, club clubman. You know, he's coached my daughter. He's my daughter's first ever, I think, footy coach. So, yeah, Ryan's... Yeah, one of those, yeah, again, you know, absolute legends you actually need in your football club. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to coach in three grand finals. My first one, you know, I um, like to drop a bloke um, the week before did an absolutely fantastic job on, um, you know, what was his name? A, a bloke that played for Nycliffe and an absolute star. I shut him down to, to pretty much nothing and just how it works up here with the point system and fly-ins. We had to drop him for the grand final. So I reckon every grand final I've coached, you know, we've, we've played in three in the last five. I've had to drop someone. Um, I suppose a difficult one was Leonard Ferrer. Ferreira, who was another one I had to drop. Um, you know, local kid coming through the ranks, was doing everything right. Um, just injuries at the wrong time of the year. And, you know, I remember, you know, giving him the phone call because he didn't make it down to training that night. And it was pretty emotional, you know, like I'd had a lot to do with him. Yeah, you, you feel for these blokes. But, yeah, I suppose being in that same situation, um, yeah, it's it sort of um, hardened me up a little bit. Yeah. What's the difference between coaching a premiership side and playing in a premiership side? Oh, totally different. Like, I, I was lucky enough to captain three premierships, and when you're on the field, you can you feel like you can influence the game a lot more. Um, you know, towards yeah, when when you're in the coach's box, everything you do is during the week, you know, you, you you get people in and talk to them about how intense the game's going to be. You prepare them, the game style, how you want them to play. And then it's pretty much up to the boys. Like, once you, you know, leave the change room, it's up to them. You can try to tinkle with a few little things, but you feel like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's out of your hands. And you're really hoping that, you know, the leadership group that you put in place and the, the systems you've done over that six months is going to get you through. Whereas on the, you know, on the field, you know, when I felt as a captain, you know, you could, you know, put a tackle on or put a big hit on over here, kick a goal, you know, you see it all the time with great players in the AFL, you know, you, you, they may influence the game in that five, ten minutes with something special, where in the coach's box you can't. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it, it's a different one. Like, it, it, I find it really tough and, you know, I find it tough too that you have sort of come from that playing background and you're in the box, um, you know, we, I always say I'm a fiery Latino sort of thing in the box and you get a bit passionate, you know, like you, you want things... To happen for you, and yeah, 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 it's it's tough. Yeah, well, I'm. I want to ask a bit more about the coaching because. So, how would you describe your coaching style, and how have you found that transition from playing into coaching? You know, what yeah. is it about coaching that you love? Because you've done it for a little yeah. while now. Yeah, like I, I started coaching. I think when I was, yeah, I was def- I was playing footy. Like, um, it's a strange like I ended up coaching in the Premier League blokes like Jack Long, Ben Rioli, um, Jack Williams, who I actually coached as under 12s. And that's when I first started, you know, like um, club was looking for some coaches and I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a crack. So I started when they were coaching under 12s. So it was really interesting, you know, 10 years later, I was coaching him in the Premier League. It, it sort of gave me an advantage. Was like, it's, it's all about relationships, I reckon, coaching. Like I'm a big soccer fan. I'm a big Real Madrid fan, Liverpool fan. And, you know, they're not called coaches in the Premier League. They're called managers. You know, you know like, it's the easy bit is the Tuesday, Thursday to me 
it's the other times is the hard bit. You know, like you've got marriage breakups, you've got girlfriend breakups, you've got, you know, like some of these young kids, you know, my wife does the cooking for them still, you know, and she brings food to training for them. Um, you know, getting them into the gate because they don't have money to pay to get in. Um, that's the hard bit. You know, that's, it's, it's a full-time job. Like it, it really is up here in Darwin. Like um, the Tuesday, Thursday training, I, I really enjoy it's, it's, you know, what we, what we do, the banter. It's one thing you miss when you, when you're playing footy um, and the, the stuff around it is the hard bit, you know, like, but it's, it's all about what I've learned is, you know, how you, the relationships you build, but not just say the top 15 players or the top five players, but all the way down, you know, like, yeah, that's that's the hard bit. Um, and things have changed, you know, like when I was a kid, there was no things as a mobile phone. Um, everyone's different now. Like I was really old school where like, I just gave face to back, face to face feedback. Now, like people don't like that. Like, yeah, like you have to text them a message on messenger because they'd rather be in the comfort of their home or the safety um, or, you know, I've got senior foot. When you're playing senior footy, to me, you know, you're, you're a man sort of thing. You know, like, oh, you need to talk to my mum. Like, I'm like, what? Like, you're playing seniors, I'm dealing with your mum. Like, it, and they're the things I struggle with, you know. Like, it, it's 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 hard. Um, you, know, you know, I've got two kids, like I said, that, have, you know, they, they think I'm pretty harsh sometimes. Um, but that's the way, it, yeah, it has to be. Like, if you're going to be a successful footy club, like I said, it goes back to Mick Athanasia. We lost one game in two years and we had a crisis meeting and he tore strips off everyone. Like, it's it's things have changed. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on it. I don't think you could ever be a perfect coach. Um, you know, it's it's tough up here. Like, there, there isn't too many courses or um, PDs you can do on coaching. A lot of it's online, which I find, again, you know, I'm 45. I, I struggle, like, joining this Zoom meeting today. You know, and you've got to do a coach on it. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I, you know, we're lucky. Like I said, our kids are away, so we sort of tie in PDs when we travel away. Um, you know, there's a lot of, especially St Mary's connections out in the AFL and the SANFL, um, and you just go and send them an email, and hopefully, you know, they don't mind you sitting in and watching how they do things. And that's how I've sort of done it the last couple of years. Xavier Clark at um, Richmond um, was a big help to me in my early days as a coach. You know. I was flying down there to see my son and I'd, I'd spend two or three days just in, at Punt Road watching them train. And he, he was fantastic. He'd get you in on the meetings and stuff like that. Um, any sort of, you know, thing he could copy and paste onto a USB for me was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I've just come back from Adelaide for that gather round and um, Reva, who coached um, Thunder a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough, yeah, to spend a week with, with Glenelg and that was fantastic, you know. Um, so anything like that, it, it's, it's you know, you're always learning, I think, yeah. What was your biggest takeaways from those experiences in the big clubs like Richmond? Yep. Look, I, I'm always looking at new drills and things to, to implement. What I found was we're not doing anything different. Like, to be honest, the, the drills and the, the exercises, you know, our warm-ups, everything is pretty similar. The only things that change are the intensity of it that they're going 100 miles an hour from the word go um, and the numbers they have, you know, like at, at a footy club, you know, there's probably 45 on the track, you know, plus some others, you know, that they might have some supplement players or players that they're having a look at. So probably 50 on the track, you know, at NTFL, and look, I'm not embarrassed to say it, Saints, you know, like, we'd have sometimes from 20 to 25 players, you know, and then you'd, you'd have to join in with, you know, you'd Div 1 players and you'd probably have 30. Um, and that, 
you know, your, your top five are really good and then, you know, your bottom end of your Div 1 are struggling and then trying to come up with a drill that you can do all together. So that's one thing I've I found. That what we're doing is not that different, but the intensity and the numbers they have uh, is, is miles ahead. I'll tell you a little story. Uh, I'd love to get your take on this about a time that I was down at Buffalo's training. So I went and wanted to spend one season at Buffs. It was their 95th anniversary year because my great granddad had played for them back in the twenties. And so I was in this lane, there was this line drill. I think there was about four groups and Damien Zammett was coaching at the time and he brought down Brenton Toy and it was made of his who he was going to get him to help do some stuff with some drills. And these four guys were running off. The ball was getting kicked out and I had to do something. I can't remember exactly what was happening, but you had to do something. And there was a guy who was a second in line. And I think he kind of went to mop up maybe a schooled ball or something. And he was in front of me. And Brenton came through and absolutely polaxed this guy and took him out. And then he said, you pay attention every moment. I don't care if you're at the front of the line. If you're in the drill, you're at the back line. You are focused. You're switched on. You pay attention to what's going on. And I went, holy hell, what's going on here? I better switch on. And so I just made sure from then on, I always had the mentality in every club that I ever helped out. At that point was like, you always switch on. You always switch on. No matter where you are, if you're training, you're always switched on. That, to me, resembles exactly your experience when you're a young guy coming at the Saints with Brenton. Yeah, mate, I love Brenton. Like I said, you know, his mum and dad were great influences on me and, you know, as a young person coming through the ranks. Um, unfortunately, Brenton, when we were playing footy in Adelaide, hurt his knee um, when we were playing at Woodville West Torrens. Um, and he sort of played games after that, but he, he never got back to the heights of what he – he could have been anything, Brenton. He won an Abala medal. He was a leading goal kicker in the under-18s, comp, played senior footy, um, and then unfortunately hurt his knee. And he, he went along that coaching route. Um, and he's a coach that – Thinks outside the square a little bit when you when you're talking to him, and he like he's a mentor of mine. I, you know, early days of game, we catch up with him quite frequently. Um, you know, I'd ask him about drills, and he'd be like, "Mate, I just make him up." Like he's a board. He was working at NTIS, I think, at the time, and he, you know, it was it was unbelievable. You know, he would think outside the square a little bit. Um, like, what do you want to do with your drill? Like, this is how you need to plan it, and this is how you do it. So I learned a lot from Brenton. Um, Mate, exactly with that intensity. So we had a bloke called Heath Colpert. Um, he came to Darwin, you know, came played at Carlton under in a great era with you know with Rats, Craig Bradley, and all that. Couldn't get into the senior side. Um, we were struggling when he got up here, and the same thing. He came out on the training track, and he'd, he'd do these competitive stuff where you know we were just going through the motions, and he would knock blokes out at training, um, literally knock them out with a pad. Like he'd be running that hard and. And like you said, you'd sort of snap out of it very quickly and then, oh, hang on a second, you know, like we'd all be laughing at the bloke that was lying on the ground and we just didn't want to be like that. And that's the standards, you know, like, unfortunately, it, it's you can't replicate that every week up here because of numbers, because of the talent on the, on the track and things like that, yeah. What's the main difference that you see between um, football now and, you know, 20 years ago plus? Yeah. Look, I went to a, what was it, a Hall of Fame night. I reckon when they inducted, it was Nathan Buckley. And he got up there and I thought, mate, NTFL's flying, you know, like we're doing really well. And he went up there and like he was, he made the, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame and he was like, I went to the footy today. There weren't too many men playing. And I was thinking, what's he talking about? We're all men, like, you know. And he, in his speech, he was going on about, he remembered playing against St. Mary's and there was Mick Athanasia, Bruno Long, um, you know, Kedji Dunn. And when I think of them, they were all six foot plus, all 90 to 100 kilos, big men playing. 
because I went there today and he goes, it was sort of like a bit of like circle work. There was all these little whippets running around. That's one thing straight away you notice when you watch. I, I watch a lot of VFL and I watch a lot of SANFL. Um, it's a it's a really quick running game. It, it's it's a lot like soccer to be honest. It, the ball goes up and down quite quickly. Um, the teams with the bigger bodies do really well. Waratahs, you know, had a, a fantastic side last year. And you look at their side; they had some genuine height and strength. You know, blokes that could move. Um, it, when you think about, you know, like I always talk about Saint Saints, we've got a shitload of wingers, half forward flankers, half back flankers. You know, all whippets that can run. Um, you know, whether it be basketball stealing a lot of our good players these days, or rugby union, I don't know what it is, but. That's one thing that's definitely changed is the, the physicality of it. And, you know, that, that's a lot to do with the rules too, just, you know, your tackling techniques and things like that. So, it's a, you know, it's getting quicker. I think you have to be a lot fitter these days to play up here. It's it's, it's bloody hot. It's getting hotter, I reckon. Um, it, it's more of a running game, yeah. Um, they're the big changes to me. So, what are you looking forward to this season coming up with Saints? Oh, look, you know, we've got a really good, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a local boy, come through the ranks. I'm always looking at young talent. You know, I've spent a lot of time working for Thunder and all these sort of things. So I'm always looking at, at young people. It's youth, you know, the way to go. Um, you know, and what they bring to the table is enthusiasm and speed, you know, it, and it's NT footy is what you want. You know, whenever I play a young kid, not, I don't care if you don't kick 10 goals. So we're here to pick us old blokes up, that enthusiasm, speed, and want you to be whipping around and that effort. You know, so we've got a couple of young kids that I'm pretty excited, you know, about in the next couple of years. Um, look, you know, we've, we've got a bloke called Dylan Land and Nate Paredes that, you know, I think are at the top end of the echelon of footy players up here. Um, they're super fit. You know, Nate's playing at Glenelg at the moment. Um, Dill had a year off, but he's absolutely smashing the running we're doing at, at Saints at the moment. So he's going to have another fantastic year. Um, yeah, so it's it's always you know, interesting to see how we go. You know, clubs are, I think, getting a lot better, getting a lot smarter in their recruiting and, you know, um, spending a lot of money on recruiting also. Um, so I think it's going to be another good good season. There was a, a you know, a, a shitload of ex-AFL players playing in the comp last year. So, you know, that's something exciting to see what, what players are going to be playing up this year, whether it be, you know, Gary Ablett again or Eddie Betts, wherever it may be. Talk about Nate Paredes, just to pump him up for a, a moment. Yeah. He, you, you said that he's fit, man, a couple of years ago. So when I was working with Danielle, his partner, you know, with the Crows, like he would come out and do sessions. His high-intensity running is the best I've ever seen in the NT. It is incredible. He was running at paces, like in these effort sessions that they do in the AFL. Like he is incredibly fit. So if he's now playing at Glenelg as well and yep. having that exposure, that experience, that fitness level, I am scared for what he's yep. going to do this season running through the midfield. Oh, look, I, I rate Nate Paredes up there as, you know, one of the best players to play at Saints. I, I, he's won numerous best and fairest. He's a premiership captain now. Um, you know, he's and you know what he's like. He he. he does everything possible to get himself game ready, whether it be, you know, rehabbing during the day, ice bars, anything. He's the ultimate professional for AFL-NT, um, and he's, he is a really super nice bloke. You know, like he's one of those blokes, yeah, everyone says it like, you know, you'd, you'd love your daughter to go out with him. Um, nice mm. bloke. Um, I, I can't say a bad word about it. He's a great leader. He's always – it's always about the team with him, what he can, what he can do for the team, whether it be – taking everyone out to dinner, catching up with people that played at Saints. So I went down Adelaide, like I said, a couple months ago. I think he organised, you know, five or six catch-ups with blokes that had played at Saints that I hadn't seen in a while, just, you know, catching up for coffee, 
you know, he'd, he'd have to drive 45 minutes an hour to get there. But that, that's the type of bloke he is. He's coached juniors at Saints, you know, like, yeah, him and Daniel, yeah, they've been fantastic for the Saints footy club. Unfortunately for him, Mike, he, had a, he was super fit last year, had a slight knee injury, I think, just before Christmas that sort of really slowed him down a little bit. Um, we sort of just, you know, scraped into the finals with him and Dylan. Dylan Lant um, hurt his knee also, and it, it really affected the way we wanted to play. You know, two prime movers, both with bad knees, and, yeah, it was um, it was it was bad. But, um, like, he's playing seniors at Glenelg at the moment. He's doing really well. So, yeah, he, he's told me he's back the week of round one. So, yeah, we can't wait. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and I, neither can I. I can't wait to see how this season pans out. Who do you think is going to be the big challenges for you outside of Saints or the Premiership this year? Oh, yeah, you can't go past last year's Premiers, and that's Waratahs. You know, they've done really well. Like, their recruiting's been really, really good. Um, you know, if half those players that they had last year are still here. They're going to be, you know, favourites. You know, Southern Districts again, you know, like they were able to recruit. It's it's a really, you know, tough mix up here on recruiting and playing locals. You know, if you're not winning, people want you to play locals. If you're winning, people want you to play locals. Um, you've got to find that right mix. Um, and, you know, both those clubs seem to be doing it really, really well. Um, look, I work pretty closely with Aaron Motlop. I hope he does really well this year. Um, you know, Cameron Stokes and Buffs is a good mate of mine. I, I hope he does really well this year. You know, like they're both, you know, to me when I think about Buffs and, and Wanderers are, are traditional local clubs, you know, with local footy players. And, you know, I, and I hope they do really, really well. Um, you know, they, they sort of, like Saints, you know, like struggle to, to, to get, you know, 15 locals, uh, Southerners to move up here. Um, so, you know, when, you, when you're down there, you, you sort of, Oh, who's that kid? You know, he's, he's, you know, he's a local kid playing under 18s. All our three clubs sort of do that, play our kids and stuff. Um, so I hope, you know, they, they do really, really well also. And I'm sure, I know you regret it if you don't say this, but I'll throw this in for you because you said that you're same age as Shannon. I'm sure you hope that Shannon does well at Vance as well. You can't uh, mention Aaron and not mention Shannon. Enjoy your favourite here. <laughs> yeah, no, Shannon, like, I, I was totally wrapped for Shannon when he got picked in the, um, the AFL Hall of Fame the other night. Um, like yeah, he's he's a star. I don't think he gets as much credit as he as he should. Um, you know, like he, he moved away when I'm not too sure, but I don't think he, I don't think he finished year 12, Shannon. I think he left before he, he did year 12. Um, I can't remember him in year 12. I remember him in like year seven, eight, nine, ten, and then he disappeared. So I reckon he he dropped out, went to Adelaide, got drafted, had an absolutely fantastic. You know, played in the AFL Premiership, you know, I think seven games, eight games in. Uh, um, yeah, played at Melbourne, had an absolutely, if you Google him and you look at his highlights at VFL, he's kicked one of the absolute greatest goals you've ever seen. Um, and he's a genuinely really good guy. Um, yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit. I don't think he played, you know, I don't think people saw him in Darwin playing you know, until the end of his career. What he was able to do in country footy and, you know, VFL is outstanding. You know, and, I was sad to see him leave Wanderers um, and go to points. And like he, he's done it, you know, they, their first ever win was against us um, at a points oval, um, which I wasn't happy about. But look, yeah, Shannon, Shannon's a good mate of mine. And yeah, like I hope they do well, but yeah, not too good. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Shannon um, possibly not finishing year 12, how's your kids going with their schooling? I know one's just finished. Yeah, like it was a tough decision for me and the wife back in the day, but you know, like I said, we want our next generation to do better. So we thought we had to get him out of here. 
Um, so he, he, my son attended Zadie College in Kew in Hawthorne um, from years nine to 12, graduated last year. Um, he's studying teaching. I don't know why he wants to do that, but he's doing teaching. Um, he's doing it through Deakin out of Geelong. Um, he flies in, flies out. He, he, he loves it. Um, he was in Melbourne in that really tough period of COVID. Um, so didn't play too much footy for two years, but because he didn't want to come home. Because if he came home, he had to quarantine for 14 days out at Howard Springs. So he did that, I think, once when he was 16 to get his licence, to get his L's. And the rest of the time, he sort of stayed in Melbourne. So we didn't see too much of him. Um, so in terms of footy development, was a little bit behind, I thought, because he didn't actually play too much. Um, you know, he's been back for a while now, so he's playing senior footy. Um, he's, I'm hoping he moves back to Melbourne soon. He's, he's got that love for Melbourne again. Like, he hated it a couple of years ago because he, yeah, he was there and he couldn't do anything. Couldn't leave the school grounds or anything like that. Um, now he's back. He, he, he loves it. He's good mates with the, the uh, Davy twins who are playing at Essendon. Tex Wanganin is at Essendon. So he's got some really good mates that are, you know, still in Melbourne that he, he, you know, he enjoys spending time with. Um, my daughter's at Melbourne Girls Grammar. So she's in year 11. She left when she was in year nine. She originally didn't want to go to boarding school. Um, David did. And she just saw the opportunities he was doing, like every week pre-COVID, you know, they're up and, you know, Mount Bullis um, surfing, not surfing, skiing. They were out at the beach surfing. They were just doing unbelievable camps. Um, the footy that he played, he was playing basketball. That's what she does. And all of a sudden she was like, I want to go to boarding school. So she's been there. She's loving it. She plays for the Melbourne Tigers, um, rep basketball. Uh, her school, Melbourne Girls, she was a big part of it. She played in the Herald Sun Cup, um, which is the best high school's um, in Melbourne, and her team won, so she's yeah, she's doing really well. Yeah, so she got another year, so hopefully she decides to stay down there. I'm hoping, yeah, um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. I know we've had a few personal conversations about boarding school over the years. What would you recommend to a parent who's thinking about boarding school for their kids? Oh, like you, like you know, we've worked in the education system in some form up here in the territory. Um, like my like. Everyone was telling me, oh, you're sending your son away or your kids away because you want him to play AFL. And I was like, well, no, not really. Like, you know, like my parents won't mind me saying when they came to Australia, they couldn't read or write English, you know. Um, Mum could speak eight different languages. Dad could speak three, but they couldn't speak English or, you know, they can't read. Um, and, they, and they wanted better for us and we just want better for our kids. And I said, look, if he gets drafted, he gets drafted. But if he comes back with a, you know, VCE, you know, like education, you know, I'm over the moon for it, you know, and, and that's the tough thing. Like, I, I think a lot of parents, I, I love, I, I like the fact that you want to send your kids away. Um, I encourage it. I, anyone that talks to me about it, I, I'm a real big favour of it. Like, send them away. The life experiences, the people they meet, the opportunities they get, like the opportunities my son's had and my daughter, it's unbelievable. It's like, I look back and I think, geez, how good's that? Like, you know. You know, the camps they go, I went to Lake Bennett from my camp, you know, like oh, we were nowhere. Like it's, yeah, it's unbelievable what, what they're doing. Um, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a scholarship or, you know, whatever it is, it's it's a lot of money. Otherwise, um, I'd send them away. And the sport's just an added benefit, you know, like the, the coaching they get, you know, like yeah, the, the facilities they're training at, MSAC in Melbourne's an unbelievable precinct. And my daughter trains there, you know, three, four times a week and she thinks it's nothing. Every time we go there and watch, I'm just like, holy crap, how good is this place? The gym alone, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, but their, their school ovals are, you know, 100 times better than Marara that they're training on, you know. The coaching they're getting, like my son was doing athletics and 
these athletics coach, you know, ran at two Olympics. You know, I'm just like, God, like you, you can't get this, you know, like in Darwin, you know, and it's it's and I can see it in them, like they they want to go to trainings now because they if you don't go to training there, you don't play. You just don't get picked, it's, you know, and like when when they're home in Darwin, it's like they're packing their bags the night before because it's they, they know it's training the next day because they have to get there. It's the you know, the the disciplines they learn are just totally different to, you know, what, what happens here in, in school and in sport. You know, my son was back last year to do some work experience and we took him to CSC. Um, and he was like at one of the breaks, he was in the like you know, the, the one of the classrooms with me and he was like, Dad, like these kids would have got suspended in Melbourne if they spoke to the like, what's the go with the headphones? Everyone's wearing headphones and the phones, you know, they've they've cleaned that up now, but it was like, how they speak to the teachers here, like we'd be kicked out. Like it's just it's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Anthony, I'd like to acknowledge you and your wife for all the work that you do with for your own two children as well as all of the St. Mary's uh, family and far beyond. Um, thank you for your time on the Mind Your Body Show. As you've been talking, I've been taking notes. I worded you up beforehand. Are you ready for this 10 and 10? Yeah, let's do it. Before I get into it, actually, how can people connect with you and contact you? <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm around. Like, I might have some perspective about St. Mary's players coming up here. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not real big on social media or anything like that, but yeah, I'm, I'm usually down at TIO over Tuesday and Thursday. Um, you know, like I'm involved with the Clontar Footy Program, or program up here, which you know helps disadvantage Indigenous boys come to school. Well, you know, I've been working there for 15 years, um, so I'm the employment officer there. So I, I help boys transition from school into meaningful work or tertiary level education. Um, and it's yeah, again, I think you know something I, I really enjoy and, and help like helping young boys. Um, so yeah, I'm you know always around town. Um, yeah, happy for anyone to contact me for for anything really. Yeah, awesome. All right, let's get into it. Number one, first thing that comes to mind, giving back. Oh, everything. Yeah, like like I've, we've done that from day one. You know, and it's something we've learned from my, my parents. Yeah, like it's yeah we. I think I've said it a thousand times now. My parents come here with nothing, you know, and it, they've earned everything through hard work and just giving back to the community. Yeah. Number two, growing up in the Daly River. Oh, good memories. Fishing, you know, like the, the baddest thing about it, and I, I say this story a lot, is we had 10 dogs. Like we lived right on the river and 10 dogs it, every year got taken by a croc. So that was the saddest thing. Like dad would come into town and buy a dog in the last six months, a croc would take it. So that was the saddest thing. But Good memories, lifelong friends, um, just that laid back lifestyle is, is something, you know, like not taking things too seriously is, is something we've, we've been able to do because of that. Yeah. Number three, sport. Ah, um, look, hard work, you know, good highs and low lows. Yeah. <laughs> Number four, football versus soccer. Which one's better? Oh, look, I, I'm. Like everyone else, I think jumped on the Matilda's bandwagon. Like I can't wait till the game's on tonight. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I've got a cousin that you know played at Real Madrid. You know, my, my parents, my dad's a mad soccer man, so I'm going to go soccer at this point. Soccer. And so you mentioned before, what were the two teams you go for again? Yeah, like Real Madrid in Spain. It's our family club, and Liverpool in England. Yeah, I was a massive John Barnes fan and Ian Rush. Back in the, you know, when I was growing up, the, the late 80s and early 90s, they were the team. Which, um, by the way, I don't even know what AFL team you support. Who do you support in the AFL? Yeah, the Bombers, unfortunately. It's been, yeah, 
a long-suffering relationship with them. Um, hopefully, we can win a couple of games and scrape in to play finals and then go out after one game again, but see how we go. <laughs> uh, number five, the next generation outdoing, outperforming, um, doing better than the next. Yeah, look, we hope so. Um, you know, I'm trying to put in place some things that they, if they follow, they, they should do better than us, you know, like, yeah. Uh, whether it be in sport, education, you know, work, yeah, yeah. Number six, what does the St Mary's Football Club mean to you? Oh, look, it's been a large part of my life, you know, that that hall uh, we, we spoke about earlier, you know, that was, my parents were really strict, you know, they were, like I said, it, that was probably the only place as kids we were allowed to go to, you know, like we had to be home before the lights came on along the street, but the St Mary's Football Club was a place, yeah, um, we could go to quite regularly with my parents. You know, it was a safe, you know, place to be when you're a kid. Number seven, moving into state. Oh, look, it's it's a challenge, but I, I think everyone should, you know, if you've got aspirations on pursuing your sport or pursuing an education or just trying to get better at things, um, I wouldn't be afraid of not doing it. You know, it's it's something you look back on, and I look back on it now. You know, we did it tough when we when I moved down. You know. We, having wheat beaks for dinner, you know, because we couldn't cook as kids, um, you know, having to, you know, work shitty jobs to pay the bills because, you know, your parents, my parents weren't going to help us out. So um, we look back on it now and have a bit of a laugh at some of the things we used to do. But, you know, like it's their experiences that I think, yeah, people should do. Number nine, meat trays. Meat trays. Look, I'm an expert. Me and the wife at meat trays at the moment. We do one every Thursday at the St. Mary's Football Club for the lovely bingo ladies. Um, without them, I don't think there would be any St. Mary's Football Club. And then we do a Friday night at the Breezes. Um, we're a major, one of our major sponsors, the Coleman's Printing family, who are great supporters of the footy club. Um, and we do that. So, yeah, it's the last probably three years, it's been a major part of my life, actually, the meat trays. Um, look, they're, they're good fun. You get to meet some people and, you know, lots of people that like, comment about it. So it's pretty good. Number nine, coaching. Yeah, it's been a challenge. Um, I enjoy it a lot. Um, I can't see myself doing it for too much longer. Um, but, look, it's, it, I've loved every minute of it. You know, again, you, know, you meet new people every year that come up. And, you know, and even to the point where extended family, you know, look, we've had you know, mums, dads, uncles come and stay with us. You know, it was their, their son's playing in my footy team. So it's, it's been good. The connections you make are unbelievable, yeah. And last question, number 10. This is a question in which I ask everybody. If you could go forward in time or back in time, at which point in time would you go to and why? And with this question, you can come back to now. It's time travel. So you can go forward time or back, travel. come back to now, you go to Yeah. Where would you go to if you had a time travel machine? Oh, look, I, look, I think I said it earlier. Look, I'd love to go back to when um, Jared Nation came to my house with the recruiting manager and told me they were going to draft me and just um, – Get him to sign something, like a contract early, <laughs> I reckon. Yeah, and just say, look, I want this done now. I promise, yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be it, I reckon. <laughs> I love it. Anthony, thank you so much for your time today on the Mind Your Body Show. No problems. Thank you. What's the most overlooked part of running but the most important? Your mechanics. My new course, Running Mechanics 101, is a nine-module course which will teach you how to run more efficiently and effectively. For free, instant access, simply head on over to jakeandre.com.